When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio. Featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Hello everyone, welcome to Spiritual Insights. We thank you so much for tuning in from wherever you are in the United States and around the world. We are honored, truly, by your presence here. Today is the Course in Miracles virtual class with Robert Rosenthal, MD, affectionately known as Dr. Bob. He and I will break down specific sections of the course to help you gain a deeper understanding of the concepts that are presented. Dr. Bob is the new co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the Foundation's board of directors for almost 25 years since 1992. He was a practicing psychiatrist and psychotherapist for 32 years, before retiring to take on this new position. He was introduced to the course in 1975 at the age of 20 by Judy Scutch and became a close friend and protege of Dr. Bill Thetford. Dr. Bob is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit, published by Hay House. The story reinterprets the biblical story of Moses and Pharaoh as a parable of the mind struggle to escape ego and identify once again with spirit. It is recommended that you read this book prior to or while you are studying A Course in Miracles to effortlessly deepen your understanding of the abstract concepts presented. Today, we will delve into Chapter 14, Section 7, Sharing Perception with the Holy Spirit. You may send your feedback and questions to us at spiritualinsightsradio.com. You can also visit fromplaguestomiracles.com to read excerpts and also send Dr. Bob your thoughts. Okay, well, let's get started, and welcome to Dr. Bob. Good to be back with you once again and enjoying this beautiful chapter. I love this section. Yeah, this is, I, I, I think this is one of the most loaded sections. I mean, I looked through it, and there's just so much in here. Um, I, I said to Shar before we started, we, we could do a workshop on this, not just, you know, a one-hour show. So, um, you know, if we don't get all the way through it, you'll have to understand um, there, there's just so much here. I'm really looking forward to this. Okay. We'll just do what we can. That's Ooh. right. Yeah. Okay. So where, do, where would we like to begin here? Um 
what, do you want to do our usual format where we read alternate, you know, you'll read a paragraph, I'll read a paragraph and, uh, right. and then, mm-hmm. you know, we'll just dive in. <laughs> okay. But just, just to kick it off, let me get your thoughts on the title of the section. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we're in chapter 14, section seven, sharing perception with the Holy spirit. I thought we'd just explore just what does that mean to yeah. share perception with the Holy spirit to share our perception with him denotes that we currently do not. We have our own individual perceptions, and that's where we run into trouble. So in this section, as we break it down and interpret it um, for the listeners, we'll, we'll be basically demonstrating the benefit of sharing in his perception to get to truth. Would you like to add to that? Um, I, I think that's spot on. Um you know, the course talks uh, at great length about perception being really projection, that there's nothing actually out there, even though we all live in a world that sure feels like it's out there, but that it's all a projection from within our minds. And, you know, there's a lovely little um, line somewhere that says, you can't escape a belief system from within its own, own boundaries. I'm paraphrasing it. You know, left to our own devices, we're in this world of perception, and it seems very real. And I think what this section is all about is recognizing that we do have a friend, capital F, a helper, capital H, and that when we share what we think we see and hear and feel and touch with Holy Spirit, it all looks differently. Um, And this, in fact, uh, it's a theme that, that, that... started in the section before, um, you know, uh, leave what you would communicate to him, the Holy Spirit. He will interpret it to you with perfect clarity, you know. And so, but th- this is really where where that that theme comes out in uh, in, in beautiful, uh, beautiful clarity with some, some great lines and some great truths. So shall we dig in? You want to start? Let's, Should I start? Doesn't matter um, to me. Um, let me see. I'll start. That's okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Paragraph one. Major question. What do you want? Light or darkness? Knowledge or ignorance are yours, but not both. Opposites must be brought together, not kept apart. For the separation is only in your mind, and they are reconciled by union as you are. In union, everything that is not real must disappear, for truth is union. As darkness disappears in light, so ignorance fades away when, darkness, when knowledge dawns. Perception is the medium by which ignorance is brought to knowledge. Yet the perception must be without deceit, for otherwise it becomes the messenger of ignorance rather than a helper in the search for truth. Okay, so let's start with that main question. What is it that we, are, what, that we all want? Do we want perception or do we want truth? We've all heard the concepts that what you believe is what you perceive and that perception makes projection. We've discussed this uh, numerous times. So would you wish to maintain your perception that the world is bad or that uh, you have enemies in your brother, that you are separate from them? Or would you prefer to switch to the truth, the truth of who you are, the truth of who your brother is, that he is you, and that we are one with God? We are all united. So... What this is saying is that opposing ideas, i.e. perception or truth, 
these are opposing ideas, but they must be brought to union in the mind where only they can be perceived as opposite. Their separation is an illusion. We cannot maintain them separately. Where the line says perception is the medium by which ignorance is brought to, to knowledge. Let's explore some other words for medium. Perception is the means by which ignorance is brought to knowledge. It is the vehicle. It is the channel, the method, the avenue, the form. So perception then is a form by which we can bring our ignorance, our misperceptions to the truth and let it become knowledge because knowledge is certain. Perception doesn't know what it's doing. Perception must be completely honest because it says there can be no deceit. So it must be completely honest and open lest it become the messenger or the loudspeaker of ignorance, which is merely lack of awareness rather than a tool that assists in the search for truth. What we're really looking for then is consciousness and recognition of true reality, not the one we perceive through the filters of our ego, through the conclusions we've drawn based on the experiences we've had, based on our disappointments and disillusionment, no matter when or where. What we really want then is peace, but in order to get there, we must embrace consciousness and recognize truth, and we do that by releasing our misperceptions. How is that? I, I think that that's great. <laughs> Absolutely. Just a few thoughts. I don't have a lot to add. Um, okay. You know, you know the two lines that that sort of jump out at me. I'm, I mean, first of all. You're absolutely right. The very first line, what do you want? You know, that's echoed throughout A Course in Miracles. There are a number of places. What do you want? Or what, are, what is it for? What are you using, you know, a thought for or a relationship for? But this kind of goes right to the heart of it. You know, light or darkness, knowledge or ignorance. Um, which do you choose? And one of the things about A Course in Miracles that I found so challenging early on was, well, but, you know, there's both light and darkness. And, you know, sometimes you, you're, you're, you have knowledge and sometimes you have ignorance. And the Course is unsparing. It says, no, it's one or the other. These are absolutes. You know, there's a beautiful section. I think it's in Chapter 22 where it talks about, you know, you can't bring one piece of illusion into heaven and still have it be heaven. You know, you can't cherish one aspect of the world of perception and arrive at, at truth or knowledge. So I, I think, and this starts a theme that we'll see carries through this section. Opposites must be brought together, right. not kept apart. What we try to do is keep the world of perception apart from the world of light, knowledge, love, truth. Um, and therefore, we lose that world of light, knowledge, love, and truth. The other thing I would focus on, which you did as well, perception is the medium by which ignorance is brought to knowledge. Well, this is intriguing because perception is also the way that we hide from knowledge. You know, we, we project out this world of, of illusions, of, of false interpretations, of objects that, you know, are really unreal. Um, so how can it be the, the means of deception and yet also uh, the means by which ignorance is brought to knowledge. And that goes back to the title, when we share perception with the Holy Spirit. And this makes perfect sense. You know, you can't start uh, teaching a student a lesson that, that already presumes a level of knowledge that they don't have. We all live in a world of perception. It would be sheer folly to tell us, you know, guys, 
just give it up, come to God. I mean, if we could have done that, we would have done it a long time ago. So when we take our perception, our, the world we think we live in, that whole grand sweep, um, and go, all right, I don't really know what this is. I don't know what it's about. I only know what I want. I want truth. I want love. I want knowledge. Then we can share it with Holy Spirit, who is the bridge to the real world, the communication link back to God. And when we do that, perception gets translated not completely into knowledge, but as close as it can get while staying perception. And at a certain point, the Course tells us God himself takes the last step. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, those are – this is what's so neat about this section. Perception keeps us imprisoned until we make a different choice, at which point we let Holy Spirit in, we stop hiding from him, uh, and now perception becomes the medium by which ignorance is brought to knowledge. Yes, and what's fascinating is as we move through the paragraphs, it becomes clear in the – that what can take place in the mind is that if we say, okay, so I'm going to make an effort to share perception with the Holy Spirit, and then the ego jumps in and says, but in order to do that, you have to lose something. What will you lose? Yes. And that we'll kicks that. up yes. fear. So we're going to see how it, how they, where the struggle is, how we try to maintain it, and that the struggle is impossible. So we're going to dig in. Do you want to go ahead with paragraph two? Exactly. Yes. Paragraph two. The search for truth is but the honest searching out of everything that interferes with truth. Truth is. It can neither be lost, nor sought, nor found. It is there, wherever you are, being within you. Yet it can be recognized or unrecognized, real or false to you. If you hide it, it becomes unreal to you because you hid it and surrounded it with fear. Under each cornerstone of fear on which you have erected your insane system of belief, the truth lies hidden. Yet you cannot know this, for by hiding truth in fear, you see no reason to believe that the more you look at fear, the less you see it and the clearer what it conceals becomes. So once again, this is just, you know, uh, a, a, a densely packed paragraph. In other words, truth is, it's there, it's, it's lying um, behind the world of perception, it's always been there. We can't undo truth because we didn't create it, we didn't make it. We made illusions, therefore we have full power to undo illusion, you know, it, that's our child. Um, but truth is of God. And we can't alter what's of God. You know, that's a different order of reality, capital R. So if we're looking for truth, it's not like, oh, let me go to the mountaintop or, you know, I have to do something else. The search for truth is about finding all the places where we're trying to hide it and wrapping it in a cloak of fear. You know, we're, we're, we're taking this precious diamond and we're um, painting it black and we're throwing it out in the dirt and we're burying it with a bunch of other nonsense and then piling garbage over it. And at a certain point we go, you know, what diamond of truth? I never saw a diamond of truth. There's just a pile of garbage here. And, you know, I'm going to try and find something of value in it. But, hey, good luck. So the search for truth is about undoing untruth and that is the essence of a course in miracles um you know it, it tells us that 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 is all we're supposed to do um 
there's a ver- way back in chapter one, I have a note um, back in uh, chapter one, section four, the escape from darkness. It says the escape from darkness involves two stages. First, the recognition that darkness cannot hide. This step usually entails fear. Well, that's what we're talking about here. We think that we can hide truth in darkness, but it can't really hide. And we think that if we start looking at that fear, it's going to get worse. So we try to turn away. You know, we, we whistle as we walk past the graveyard, and we don't go into the graveyard and see that there's nothing there. It, it, there's nothing to be afraid of. So this is telling us, under each cornerstone of fear, which we've erected, the truth lies hidden. And it says we cannot know this by hiding it in fear, but the flip side of that is the more you look at fear, the less you see it, and the clearer what it conceals becomes. And later in this section, we'll see it makes the the most straightforward appeal to exposing all of our hiding, all of our fears to Holy Spirit in order that they, they be corrected. Um, your thoughts, Char? Okay. I want to focus on the line, it is there wherever you are being within you. The notes that I wrote or the search for truth, or to search for truth, any idea or perception that interferes or distorts it in the mind of the seeker must be identified, acknowledged, and released. Only the relinquishment of false perception will allow truth to be exposed. And I like the the picture that you painted with the diamond being painted black. I did something a little similar, but I'll keep going. Um, I wrote, truth exists in and of itself within you, unchanging and timeless. It is incapable of being lost or displaced or hidden from you because it is part of who you are. We can only lose sight of the truth by turning away from it, by choosing not to recognize it. Truth can be determined to be real or false only by you, based on your recognition or denial of it out of fear. When we hide the truth, or rather, hide from it, we push it away and disguise it with fear so that we would not see it. Behind every fearful thought and belief, the truth lies hidden. And here's the visual I came up with, Dr. Bob. Imagine everyone mm. being in a dark room, the walls, the ceiling, the door. They're all black. There are no windows. There is a light that you can turn on. But other than that, everything's black. We can turn on that light, and then something stands out, something we don't want to see. So what we do then is we take it and we place it in a black pillowcase. Then we set mm-hmm. it anywhere in the room, and it blends in with the rest of the room, with the blackness of ignorance that this space represents. We're in a space of fear. The room is fear. And then, even with the light on in the room, we can't see it because it's shrouded and unrecognizable. So, by hiding truth and fear, we fail to understand that the more we look at, this is what that last line is saying, um, yet you cannot know, know this, for by hiding truth and fear, you see no reason to believe. That the more you look at fear, the less you see it, and the clearer what it conceals becomes. Now, these are this is one of those sentences where if we take it and rearrange it, it seems to make a little more sense for people. So that's I like the way you call it a densely packed paragraph. Um, but that mm-hmm. sentence right there, let me go back to we fail to understand that the more we look at fear honestly, the less it deters us from recognizing the truth of what it covers up and obscures. So our biggest fear is looking at fear and it says elsewhere in the course you can probably quote the uh, chapter and verse but when we when we choose to turn around and look at it we discover that there's nothing there 
it's not there. Yeah. So hiding from it and all that we do to push it away and, and obscure the truth in fear, and then we're afraid to look at it, no wonder we're so unhappy. So this is those these, these small steps, I'll call them, and then answering that first question, what do we want? And, and get to what we do want and what we're willing to relinquish to get there. Is that helpful? That's great. Um, I, I actually um, have a sort of a book that I've been working on on and off for years, uh, and one day maybe it'll be complete, where it's sort of parables of the spiritual path, and one of them I call it the darkened room, which is similar to what you were just describing. And there's, uh, I, I just have to read this. There's a section later on in Chapter 18 called Light in the Dream that, mm-hmm. that just, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's basically what you read without the pillowcase, but it talks about how, you know, quote, each dream has led to other dreams and every Where fantasy that seemed to bring a um, – this is page 378, uh, Light in the Dream, paragraph one, and I'm starting at the third – well, let's, I'll start at the – I'll start right at the beginning, I guess. But this is chapter um, and, 18, and section what? Section three, light in the dream. Three. Here we are. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and you'll see this just dovetails beautifully with what comes later in the section about sharing perception with the Holy Spirit. Okay. You who have spent your life in bringing truth to illusion, reality to fantasy, have walked the way of dreams. For you have gone from waking to sleeping and on and on to a yet deeper sleep. Yet each dream has led to other dreams and every fantasy that seemed to bring a light into the darkness but made the darkness deeper. Your goal was darkness in which no ray of light could enter and you sought a blackness so complete that you could hide from truth forever in complete insanity. What you forgot was simply that God cannot destroy himself. The light is in you. Darkness can cover it but cannot put it out. And then briefly, as the light comes nearer, you will rush to darkness, shrinking from the truth, sometimes retreating to the lesser forms of fear, and sometimes to stark terror. But you will advance, because your goal is the advance from fear to truth. Um, That's exactly what, what Char was saying. And I find this very inspirational, because we all do retreat into darkness. You know, I mean, I can have an amazing meditation in the morning where I feel like nothing could disturb me. And within minutes, I get an email or a phone call and there's some huge issue and, you know, boom, it feels like it's gone. But that's not a cause for discouragement. In fact, that's another opportunity to bring uh, a spot of darkness, another piece of illusion into truth, into light. Mm. But, you know, we have tried to, you know, we've been committed to darkness. Our goal was darkness in which no ray of light could enter. And I thought, you know, your, your, um, your metaphor there was just so perfect for that. I, I had to go there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm surprised at it. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. But, you know, that feeling. No, get, mind like, is one. Look, look how that just, um, it just, it just. It just works, you know. I'm sure they're used to yeah, it. Yeah, we're all learning saying these things. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, the mind that wrote the course is our mind, <clears throat> you know. And true. So it, it all starts coming through. True. All right. This is true. Um, I'm gonna go paragraph on to paragraph three. three. Here we go. Yep. Here we it go. It is not. 
It is not possible to convince it is not possible to convince the unknowing that they know. From their point of view, it is not true. Yet it is true because God knows it. These are clearly opposite viewpoints on what the quote unknowing are. To God, unknowing is impossible. It is therefore not a point of view at all, but merely a belief in something that does not exist. It is only this belief that the unknowing have, and by it they are wrong about themselves. They have defined themselves as they were not created. Their creation was not a point of view, but rather a certainty. Uncertainty brought to certainty does not retain any conviction of reality. So what this is saying is, you know, um, I think it's what I was saying earlier. You can't just tell someone, you know, God can't tell us. You can't convince someone who thinks that they don't know that they know, because from within their belief system, they don't know. As it says, we've defined ourselves um, as unknowing, but we weren't created as unknowing. So there's the split. There's the problem. There's a real self that was created with full knowledge of the Father um, and the light and the truth and the oneness. And then there's what we made and defined as ourselves, which is separate and in a body and you know works by comparison and judgment um, and never really finds abiding joy or peace of mind. And back to paragraph one, as Char said, which do we want? The good news is, to God, unknowingness is impossible. You know, what we were created, that's there. And, and, and so, you know, kind of the good news of A Course in Miracles is in that lesson that appears three times, um, the only one that appears more than once, I am as God created me. You, me, nobody can change that. We can't change our essence. So eventually, we're all going to get there. It's just a matter of time. But how much time? That's, that's what's in our hands. You know, we can accept it now and see the fruits of it, which are miracles, um, as we align with truth. Or, you know, we can continue to resist. From God's point of view, it, it doesn't matter because the reality is already there. But we are the deciders. We are the choosers. And, um, you know, and as I said, the good news is all we have to do is look at what's already there. It, it's the mm-hmm. simplest thing in the world. And yet it's also deucedly hard. Right. Your thoughts? What I like is that the introduction of point of view is introduced here, where when, when we talk about perception, and many of us can always have a question about perception. It's a, it's a big word. You know, there's, there's so many facets to it. But when we say it's merely a point of view, then perhaps we can go a little deeper into our minds and say, okay, then not so much what is our perception, because there's a lot to interpret there, but make it simple by saying, so what is my point of view on my relationship with this person? What is my point of view with this? And then recognize that what you believe to be true about that situation really just doesn't exist. But when you share that perception with the Holy Spirit, his point of view, get his point of view on it and see that relationship or that person through the eyes of God, and then you get closer to the truth. It just, and it Beautiful. Just, you know what I mean? It just, you, you can delay it. But you can't, you can't not do it. But but you can delay it, and in that delay is your struggle. So, the more willing you are to get to that truth, the faster it comes. Once you let go, I really like that point Beautiful. of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have one note on this paragraph. Point of view, yes. 
that says perception is merely a point of view, not true vision. The truth is certainty, and the truth of who we are is knowledge. Uncertainty brought to certainty or falsehoods brought to truth cannot maintain the illusion of a false reality at all. So it's, it's unsustainable, our, our perceptions, and they constantly change. Yeah. You know, but truth Another does not. Another metaphor for it. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a world of shadows, and the shadows interact and play with each other. Well, once you bring in true light, you can't have shadows. It just, you know, you could say it shines them away. It's even more fundamental than that. Shadows just don't exist. You know, they're 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 shadows. Uh, the light makes them go. And like I just an realized illusion. I read two paragraphs in a row. So I know you <laughs> my stole apologies. It. I did. Okay. I did. And I was I really mind. looking forward to reading the next. No, it's okay. This is all <laughs> such good stuff. It doesn't matter which. No, I'm just, I'm having a ball. It's like, it's like we get to climb into a, a, a sandbox and play. Okay. Do you want me to go ahead with um, <laughs> paragraph yes, four? Please. Okay. So we're moving from the concept of ignorance versus knowledge to a, the concept of dissociation. And here's what it says. Our emphasis has been on bringing what is undesirable to the desirable. What you do not want to what you do. You will realize that salvation must come to you this way if you consider what dissociation is. Dissociation is a distorted process of thinking whereby two systems of belief, which cannot coexist, are both maintained. If they are brought together, their joint acceptance becomes impossible. But if one is kept in darkness from the other, their separation seems to keep them both alive and equal in their reality. Their joining thus becomes the source of fear. For if they meet, acceptance must be withdrawn from one of them. You cannot have them both, for each denies the other. Apart, this fact is lost from sight, for each in a separate place can be endowed with firm belief. Bring them together, and the fact of their complete incompatibility is instantly apparent. One will go because the other is seen in the same place. What he's saying is that emphasis has been placed on the idea of bringing what you do not want, what you reject, into acceptance and absorbing it into what you do want. This is the only way to salvation. And what does it mean by salvation? Listen to these words and steal. Because salvation can be off-putting to some. This is the only way to freedom. This is the only way you can escape. This is the only way you can be rescued from fear. This is the only way you can be delivered from your illusions. As this is the only method that allows us to unite these two opposing ideas in the mind. They cannot occupy the same space. So we work very hard to maintain them separately. This is where the struggle is. So dissociation then is a distorted process, like it says, a distorted process of thinking whereby two systems of belief which cannot coexist, are both maintained. Then it says, um, because they seem, to be, they seem to be separate, it promotes the belief that we have the ability to maintain them. But each opposing viewpoint believes that the other isn't even there. So they deny the existence of the other. But if you bring them together and unite them, they cannot be accepted as two distinct and opposing beliefs. They're completely incompatible. They cannot occupy the same space. So in my mind, what that means is as they are brought together, the light dissolves the darkness and that opposing belief to the truth then dissolves and the truth is there to be recognized. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
um, you know, dissociation, I think, is actually a very important concept to understand. It's a psychological, psychiatric term. And um, for some reason, my career focused a great deal on dissociative disorders. So at one time, I was something of an expert on, on dissociation. So this paragraph is talking about dissociation at the highest level, which is really where it all starts, that we think we live in a separate reality from God in oneness, um, but we don't. So we try to maintain these two separate realities uh, apart. Um, we do this within the world of perception as well. The most innocent example that I used to give people of kind of day-to-day -day dissociation is imagine that you know, you're driving your car down the freeway and you're thinking about a friend of yours and some problem they're having while you're listening to the radio and a song that you really like comes on and you are maintaining three separate distinct streams of consciousness simultaneously. You're listening to the song, which you know well, you're thinking about your friend, um, and some part of you, meanwhile, is able to keep the car on the road, grab your attention if something else were to show up, um, and you know, do all that's involved in driving a car. We're not aware of all of those simultaneously, and unlike the, the defensive dissociation that this paragraph is talking about, um, you know, one of these isn't any more uh, desirable or less desirable than the other, but we're able to keep them all separate. There are dissociative disorders the most extreme of which is um, called dissociative identity disorder, more familiarly multiple personality disorder. Mm. So in multiple personality disorder, you've got someone who within their, their psyche, within their consciousness, has two or three or ten or twenty different personalities alive and well, and each personality thinks that it's different and separate and distinct, one might hate fish and the other is a fisherman. One might actually have blue eyes. Another might have brown eyes. One might be male. One might be female. And we look at this and go, wow, that's really nuts. How is that possible? And yet, this is what the Son of God did. I, I wrote an article for uh, Miracle Distribution Center's Holy Encounter on dissociative disorders, on multiple personality, as a model for what happened in the separation. Because mm. we're all going around, we're each a separate personality in the mind of the son, believing that we're separate. Well, how do you treat that? Well, you can't just sit down with someone and go, look, y'all share the same body, this is absurd, get with it. Um, because it's not what they believe, and they're each very invested in their own uniqueness. Why? Because there's some piece of darkness that they need to hide from the others. Each personality is hiding some trauma that happened or some aspect of the trauma, and they think that by dividing it up, they'll never have to look at that horrible truth um, of what happened to them as a young child, usually repeatedly. And yet, if you're treating that, what you're trying to do is create a very safe space where precisely um, that takes place. They have to look at what happened. They have to look at the fear. They have to go into the fear. And as you bring these separate dissociated aspects of self together so that the two that hated each other actually get to see they have a lot in common. Oh, and by the way, they were each protecting the other from something and they don't need to protect it 
within the love and caring of the therapy room, they realize they no longer need to be separate. This is forgiveness at the deepest level. So it's, you know, when we really get dissociation, we see that this whole world of perception that we live in is a world defined by dissociation. We are maintaining separate seeming realities at all times, but only one of them is real. And so we can get lost and play different games in the world of uh, illusion and dissociation. We can be different people. You know, I, uh, I was a student, and then I'm uh, a medical student, and then I'm a psychiatrist. Uh, you know, I worked at this place. I was in this marriage, and we lived here, and then I got into this marriage. All sort of different, different personalities within the mm-hmm. same lifetime. But none of them matter. None of them matter. It's like kids, you know, at Halloween. They're a vampire one year. They're a monster another year. Then maybe they're mm-hmm. a princess and a pirate. But behind it all, there's just a little kid, you know, who just wants candy. Um, so that's, that's, that's how I understand this. And I think it's profound, powerful stuff. You just uh, – I was thinking of something in the past couple of days, and uh, I was just thinking about the show. I just um, – I explained yesterday on the air that I just feel really blessed. Um, I reconnected with someone who was on the show several years ago and it gave me a window through which I could look back at the evolution of the show and, you know, all that it's grown to be. And Mm. I just have been feeling very blessed. And, but what thought entered my mind was with each of my co-hosts, a different part of my personality comes to the forefront. Like you were saying, there's all these different aspects and personalities. And so it's funny you say that, haha, because with <laughs> each of you, a different um, hue or just a different aspect of my personality comes to the forefront. This is my Course in Miracles personality. On another segment, I could be cracking jokes. On another segment, uh-huh. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm a little different, and but I'm still the same. I thought it would be interesting to say this out loud so that the listeners can look at it and they've probably already seen it, but just to say that I see it too. And that it doesn't lend to a lack of authenticity. It's just that when I'm in that space with that co-host, that these are the energies that blend and then it brings out the best in me in that way. And then there's the other. You know what I mean? I just wanted to say that. Yeah, let me take that just a little bit further group. in terms sure. of. Sure. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. I just um, said sure. Go ahead. I love it. We're we're all different with different people. I mean, think of yourself um, with your mother, with your father, with a sibling, with your boss at work, with someone who to whom you are the boss at work, um, with a lover, with a past lover, with someone you meet at a at a concert i mean a different aspect comes forward but of all of these different aspects we could ask well which is the real you and the answer of course is well none of them are and i guess at some level all of them are because in the world of illusion there is this infinite capacity for change and uh, what the renaissance thinkers used to call mutability there Mm. is no consistent self however Once we embrace the goal of truth, once that is our consistent theme and that is how we are interacting and relating with people, always in terms of how do I heal this, how do I see the truth in this person so that I can recognize truth in myself, 
then all of those different seeming personalities that you know that you're embodying in, in as a as a radio host with different guests and co-hosts they're all serving the same purpose um, right. they're all serving that inner purpose of truth just coming at it from a different point of view as the previous paragraph said so you know we we get it's not like Holy Spirit's going to take this all away from us. Holy Spirit just gets to reinterpret it and use it. And whatever we give him to be used for truth, that's, that's what we're doing. And, and, and when we follow that, there's joy, there's forgiveness. Uh, and best of all, a lot of old grievances and karmic um, hatreds and places where we experience intense conflict they, they just tend to dissolve, like, like those shadows disappearing when the light comes forth. But this is why I find this section so, so important. I mean, this would probably be, in terms of theory of A Course in Miracles, in my, you know, top five or ten sections in, in all of the text. Okay. All right. Thoughts? <laughs> no, I, I, I love everything you said, and I especially yeah. appreciate you bringing up the psychiatry aspect. I had hoped you would do that. Um, and yeah, I and, and I, <laughs> I no, and but but I kind I look forward to it. So you didn't let me down, basically, um, because I Good. I'm fascinated by that. And I I I did have a thought that ties the multiple personality disorder to what we're saying here. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but in your patients with with the multiple personality disorder, did in in most cases, did those personalities deny the existence of the other personality when some and other personalities had a minor glimpse of the other personality? Because I want to tie it to what we're saying here, how the one thinks the other yeah. does not exist. It varies. There there were personalities that had no awareness of each other. There were some that had fleeting awareness. And then there were little groups that knew each other well and would console each other. So you'd get you know, you get the whole gamut, just like here in uh, in, in in the world of perception. Mm, interesting. Okay. All right. Do you want to move yep. on to paragraph five? Sure. Um, light cannot enter darkness when a mind believes in darkness and will not let it go. Truth does not struggle against ignorance, and love does not attack fear. What needs no protection does not defend itself. Defense is of your making. God knows it not. The Holy Spirit uses defenses on behalf of truth only because you made them against it. His perception of them, according to his purpose, merely changes them into a call for what you have attacked with them. Defenses, like everything you made, must be gently turned to your own good, translated by the Holy Spirit from means of self-destruction to means of preservation and release. His task is mighty, but the power of God is with him. Therefore, to him, it is so easy that it was accomplished the instant it was given him for you. Do not delay in your return to peace by wondering how he can fulfill what God has given him to do. Leave that to him who knows. You are not asked to do mighty tasks yourself. You are merely asked to do the little he suggests you do, trusting him only to the small extent of believing that if he asks it, you can do it. 
you will see how easily all that he asks can be accomplished. So this is, uh, again, um, an amazing paragraph. I think the line, Mm. light cannot enter darkness when a mind believes in darkness and will not let it go, is all of A Course in Miracles. You know, yeah, we believe in darkness. That section I read, um, you know, earlier, Char's um, darkened room that we're going to, we're intent on keeping it dark. So to the extent that that's our commitment, um, Holy Spirit is in standby mode, just patiently waiting for an opening, knowing, knowing that in the fullness of time, that opening has to come. And if you're listening to this show, I got news for you, that opening already came. Um, so <laughs> truth doesn't have to struggle against ignorance. There's no fighting. Um, but then it talks about defense. And again, this is a psychiatric term. Um, Bill and Helen were both psychologists at, at the highest level. Um, you know, Bill was the editor, co-editor of a prestigious psychological journal. So, um, you know, the voice of Jesus spoke to them in the language they understood. Um, and defenses are ways of coping with conflict, with trauma. When we don't want to see trauma, we go to a defense. I remember, you know, when I consulted on the medical floor, going into a woman with a, a stage four breast cancer that was, you know, just as obvious as you could possibly believe it, and you'd tell her what she had, and three minutes later it's like, what? No, no, there's, there's nothing there. That's denial. That's a defense. Um, there are plenty, projections yet another defense. But so the purpose of each defense is to hide the truth from us when we're afraid of that truth. But this truth isn't cancer. This truth is life. This truth is love. Bill Thetford, um, the co-scribe of the course, used to ask, or at least with me he would, he'd say, what would a world be like with no defenses? You know, where there's no area that you are blocking your awareness because of something that you're trying to hide? Uh, It's Mm. a very useful question, because what it tends to do is shine a light for each of us on exactly where we are defending against truth and reality, of where we, we don't want to bring something up because we've determined that it's just too painful or too shameful, or that that relationship, that person hurt us too much, and that we're not, you know, we can forgive a lot of people, but never that. And so each one of these becomes a defense. And when we recognize that, that that defense is is hurting us, then obviously we turn it over to Holy Spirit and and, and, and want to release it. Um, In Lesson 153 in My Defenselessness, My Safety Lies, it talks about defenses and says that they're, you know, they're the most pernicious tool the ego uses. Um, So I would recommend anyone interested in defenses, look at Lesson 153 and also look at Lesson 135. Um, You know, uh, if I defend myself, I am attacked. But um, so this talks about defenses, but then it also makes the point that defenses like everything else we made can be turned to our benefit the moment we give it to Holy Spirit. And that this looks like an impossible task to us, but to Holy Spirit, it's, 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 it's so easy that it was accomplished the moment it was assigned to him. Um, and then one of those very encouraging lines, you know, um, he, he'd do the little that he, uh, that he suggests, trusting only to the small extent of believing that if he asks it, you can do it. This is really interesting because I think for um, a lot of students, especially if you're new to it, 
immediately this notion of sacrifice comes in. Uh Uh-oh, he's going to ask something. Well, I I guess I can do it, but wow, I wonder what he's going to ask of me. You know, it's going to be something difficult. I'm going to get crucified, but that's okay. No, not at all. Whatever the Holy Spirit asks, it's like taking a scared child who's learned that 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 merry-go-round is a terrible thing and those horses are going to bite you and you're going to get dizzy and throw up, and taking that child by the hand and saying, just trust me, trust me, and putting her up on that horse and holding her while she goes up and down until the point where she goes, oh, this is fun, this is wonderful. <clears throat> that That's what Holy Spirit's going to do. Um, so we want, as per the stuff we've already read, we want to bring the darkness into light. We want to expose that within us which we have been hiding. We want to look on the fear of that because that's, that's how we learn and that's how ultimately we'll get there. Um, wow. and the next paragraph is going to go into this clearly, but we're not there yet because Char might have a few things to say. <laughs> well, I love your carousel reference. That was great. That was great. Thank you. Wow. And the the what I what I get out of this par I love this paragraph, but much of what I get out of it is I'm I, I zero right in on defenses, you know, and our defenselessness. Um the concept that light, truth and love never struggle. There is no struggle whatsoever can, in within these concepts. But struggle against them. So when you're struggling, it's. It, I remember somebody said to me, you know, love hurts, and I was in my early 20s. I said, no, love doesn't hurt. Illusions do. And when those illusions yeah. shatter, that's where your heartbreak is. I don't know where I came up with that, but that's what I said. That's it's, it's so spot on. Yes. And so I want I want everybody to take a look at whatever you're struggling with. You're not struggling with love. You're not struggling with truth and the light. It's the fear struggling against those things that is keeping you where you are, that is keeping you stuck. Defense is a creation of the ego to justify its attack on love. So when we feel attacked and we defend, what we're defending is our attack on what we think is attacking us. But each defense must be transformed from, what, as this describes it, as a cry for help into a call for love, light, and truth. So when you are in defense, you're really crying out for help. You're really crying out for rescue. It's there. You just need to ask for it. And while the Holy – I like where it says, you know, they have a Holy Task, Holy Spirit's task. It might seem daunting, but it was accomplished the moment it was assigned by God because he knows that that timeless truth, that the the timeless truth of who we are can't be altered. It can only be slowly recognized in our minds because we're in time. It can't change. It can only be distorted. And then with that belief in time, delay our progress, as I was mentioning earlier. But when you grant him even the smallest belief that you are capable, you are opening the door you described, Dr. Bob. And when you invite him in, that's all he needs. You don't have to turn over a new leaf or anything big like be born again. Just open the door, invite him in, and he will come in and do his job. His job is already done. It's basically us catching up to what he's accomplished. Right? It's already accomplished. Yeah, so it's fact, just a matter of us taking the, the Bible. Aramaic word, um, the word in Aramaic for rebirth, 
<clears throat> is actually um, means returning to your first birth. So even the idea of being reborn is really about taking off the blinders and remembering who we are. You know, we're already there. It, it, it's not it's not so much a going forward as uh, a stepping into the light. And remembering. Why don't we keep? Yep. Yeah, yep. we're not learning. We're remembering. We're going. We're actually going Our back. Our first birth is of God. Yes. Yes. Mm, fascinating. Okay. You want to All go right, to paragraph to six, and and we'll. Yep. It's your Get turn. this moving along. <laughs> oh yeah, it's my turn. Yep. <laughs> Here we go. The Holy Spirit asks of you, but this. Bring to him every secret you have locked away from him. Open every door to him and bid him enter the darkness and lighten it away. At your request, he enters gladly. He brings the light to darkness if you make the darkness open to him. But what you hide, he cannot look upon. He sees for you, and unless you look with him, he cannot see. It is not for him alone, but for him with you. Bring, therefore, all your dark and secret thoughts to him, and look upon them with him. He holds the light, and you the darkness. They cannot coexist when both of you together look on them. His judgment must prevail, and he will give it to you as you join your perception with his, to his. Mm-mm-mm. There we go. <laughs> Bring your secrets. Open the door. Hide nothing. What you hide, he cannot see because he needs your eyes to see it. He cannot, he cannot make you see it. You have to be willing. You look at it this way. It's it's like when it's like when you want to ask a question. Until you can ask the question, the answer cannot be given because it's premature. So until you're willing to look at something, that's when you're prepared to do that. But you want to do it with him so that you are seeing correctly. So he can see all the truths within you. He's waiting for you to join with him to look at what is in you to be recognized. So don't hide anything and just invite him in. And and never be afraid to look at something. It's always scarier in the moments before than than the moment you do it. And afterwards, you're like, oh, that's it? Like I said, there's nothing there. It's just fear. And then you realize, and and, and I did this to myself. Why? You know? And that's all. I mean, very plain and simple. Mm. Bring him your secrets and let him reveal to you the truth of them. That's it. Anything to add? Um, just that, again, as a psychotherapist, this is the process of therapy. You know, we, we go in to see a psychologist or, or a psychiatrist, and we have to be honest and share our problems. Um, I can't tell you the number of times where I've spent an entire session or even a month or more talking to someone about something, and then they go, oh, yeah, and by the way, I, I, I've got this drinking problem, or, oh, by the way, you know, I, I was, you know, sexually assaulted when I was 10. And it's kind of like you can't work with it until they bring it forward. Well, the Holy Spirit is the master therapist um, mm. because, you know, Holy Spirit doesn't even need to, in Holy Spirit doesn't have to interpret it in the terms uh, that we know. Holy Spirit doesn't have to analyze anything. Holy Spirit takes every perception you've ever had and gently holds you and says, this need not be. Um, the past is over. It can touch me not. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and so this is where A Course in Miracles offers us the perfect 
psychotherapy, literally. Um, you know, there's a supplement to the course called Psychotherapy, Purpose, Process, and Practice that talks about how what, how psychotherapy works and what psychotherapists can do. Well, it, it's, it's a beautiful condensation of A Course in Miracles. Um, you know, we, we are all insane here in this mm-hmm. world, and we all need healing, and that's what Holy Spirit does. So that's all I wanted to add there. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, you can't be addressed until you bring it to the doctor. You know? Yeah, right. right. You, don't, you, don't, you don't go to him with a cold and, and refrain from saying, but I also think I have cancer. Yes. And expect him to do or, something or, or, about it. Precisely. You know, and you know, I don't want to tell you this. We have to be willing to But be I want honest. you to fix it. Exactly. There's the honesty part. Excellent. Okay, paragraph seven. Ready? Yeah, and if you don't bring up the cancer fear, it's because you're afraid to bring it up. You're afraid of what you're going to hear. But how about this? You bring up that cancer fear to Holy Spirit or any other fear, and all Holy Spirit says is there's no need for fear. Um, you know, you can bring up your cancer fear to your doctor, and 99 out of 100 times, he's going to tell you, laugh at you. She's going to say, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not cancer. Cancer doesn't present that way. Anyway, yeah, let's, or, since we're getting short on time. Um, yeah, or they can the, run a test uh, and tell you, you don't have cancer. You're imagining things. You're just yeah, afraid. Exactly. You're afraid you have cancer. It doesn't mean you have cancer. Right. That's bringing it to the light. Yeah, but we won't get cut off. We can do the last paragraph and read the prayer. Okay, good. Or, or whatever you want so to do. We can talk with him in, um, good. Well, let's read it and talk about it. Okay. Joining with him in seeing is the way in which you learn to share with him the interpretation of perception that leads to knowledge. You cannot see alone. Sharing perception with him whom God has given you teaches you how to recognize what you see. It is the recognition that nothing you see means anything alone. Seeing with him will show you that all meaning, including yours, comes not from double vision, but from the gentle fusing of everything into one meaning, one emotion, and one purpose. God has one purpose which he shares with you. The single vision which the Holy Spirit offers you will bring this oneness to your mind with clarity and brightness so intense you could not wish for all the world not to accept what God would have you have. Behold your will, accepting it as his, with all his love as yours. All honor to you through him and through him unto God. So first I just have to go to, um, you know, sort of the joke of, you know, this clarity and brightness so intense you could not wish for all the world not to accept, you know, what God's given you. Well, that is the choice. You got all the world on the one hand, and then the the clarity and brightness of God's love on the other. So, yeah, you you wouldn't want it for all the world because that's actually exactly the cost. You know, you mm-hmm. give up the world in order to be free of the world so that that can come through. So that was one thing I wanted to um, focus on. And then the other <clears throat> is the simple line, you cannot see alone. Once again, we made the darkness. We made the world of illusion. We made the projection. We're lost in it. So we can't find our way out of it um, because we believe that what we made is real. We need help. And that helper is there. was there from the instant that the uh, seeming separation from God happened. That's the Holy Spirit. And when we join with him, we learn how to see. Now, I think this has many different levels to it, this seeing. At the first level, 
we get to see that things we thought were hard maybe aren't so hard. Maybe we get to experience a miracle. We get to see that our relationships don't have to be in conflict and that by bringing Holy Spirit in, we perceive them differently. And that person, lo and behold, turns out to be much more wonderful, loving, and holy than we had any idea when we were holding our grief, our hatred, our illusions against them. And at the deepest level, excuse me, we get to see just light. We look on all of our brothers, we see light. Uh, You know, some of the the earlier workbook lessons are, are about getting to this place, but nobody gets to them in the early workbook lessons. I think they're aspirational. It's about, yeah, when you can look past the illusion, when you can recognize the objects of the world of perception are, are transparent, translucent, um, you know, when you're sharing perception with the Holy Spirit, eventually you get to the light. Mm. But there are different levels, and each one is great. You know, each one is perfect for where we are at the time. Um, and, and that's the Holy Spirit's curriculum. Your thoughts. <clears throat> and that brings practice. When you go, go to him with the small things, get the practice, see how it feels, watch the shifts in your perception, right? But it brings me back to, it says in the Course, that our will is never separate from God's. But we think our minds are because we made our, our minds, our perceptions, our defenses. But where it says, seeing with him will show you that all meaning, including yours, comes not from double vision but from the gentle fusing of everything into one meaning, one emotion, and one purpose. We do have double vision. We have one eye on God and one eye on the world, struggling to believe which one's right. But Mm -hmm. if we look at it through the Holy Spirit's um, perception, there is that gentle fusing where it says that only one can remain. The other will dissolve. The two opposing ideas the idea of God and the idea of the real world, this illusion that we're in, they can't occupy the same space. So when we do that, they do fuse. One does dissolve. The illusion dissolves, and the memory of who we are becomes clear. Everything fuses into one meaning. What is the meaning? Truth, love, one emotion, love, one purpose, growth, you know, whatever, whatever labels you want to apply to it. But once those illusions dissolve, there really is only one meaning and one emotion and one purpose that we all share, every single one of us. That's what makes us united. This is what will help us dissolve the illusion of separation between one another, between countries, between um, ideas. This is the one thing we need to get, is that there is only one, and we can either join with it, we can fuse with it, or we can try to maintain our perception of, of what's real. It's, it's not going to be very pretty doing that, you know, but <laughs> no. all honor through him and through him unto God. Go through him to get to that original place of remembering who you are and what your purpose is. It's there. I know a lot of us are confused. We don't know what our purpose is, but there is purpose. And you will, when you find it, it's, you can't shake it. It's so recognizable. You feel purposeful. But even if your purpose is to love and, and to serve, there you will find immense joy. Don't, don't you agree, Bob? Do you want to add to that? Yeah, um, two thoughts. Um, one, everything that you've been saying, I mean, the line, you know, uh, 
meaning comes not from double vision, but from the fusing of everything into one meaning, one motion, the truth. That brings us right back to the beginning of this section. Opposites must be brought together, not kept apart. This is how the dissociation is resolved in our minds. So even in this one section, there's this beautiful movement that takes us from opposites you know, must be brought together through light and darkness, through dissociation, through defenses. And at the end, it, it weaves it together. It, you know, no double vision, one meaning, one emotion, uh, and that absolutely gorgeous last line, all honor to you through him, that is Holy Spirit, and through Holy Spirit unto God. You know, it's a two-way street. God's love and honor are coming to us, and, and, um, and, and you know, and we are bringing that, that back. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't remember what the other thing I was going to say is, so, um, you know, but, but there, there's just that, you know, that, that lovely, uh, lovely movement. Um, this this yeah. is just such a, a beautiful section. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to maintain our grip on those little thoughts. They, they're very wispy and they tend to escape us. I can add this. A unified mind is much more peaceful than a mind pulled apart. If that puts it in simplistic terms, that when, when we ha- hold opposing thoughts, I'm worthy of something wonderful. I just don't deserve it. I want love, but I'm afraid of it. I want success, but what if I fail? So these, these two opposing thoughts, these evidences of duality, have to be dissolved. Once we pull together in our minds and unify body, mind, and spirit, get all of our beliefs and thoughts and emotions going in one direction, we're much more peaceful. Otherwise, we're, we're doing nothing but being pulled apart. Consciousness split takes, takes place, and terror rises up, and we become very unhappy. Um, if you haven't remembered that thought that got away from you, Dr. Bob, there's one last thing I want to add because we're at the end of a calendar year. Um, I, I, I did remember um, one that, yeah, so this is scary to our ego, and we're identified with ego. Again, ego is going to take any one of these and say, if I look at the fear, I'm going to make it real. No, you look at the fear, you realize it's unreality. Ego says, if I expose it, everyone's going to hate me. No, you expose it, everyone you know, overlooks it. But we don't want to downplay the intensity of the fear. And so I wanted to just read... Um, a couple lines from Lesson 196, Paragraph 10, that really make clear this is, you know, from our perspective, this can be tough. And it says, there is an instant in which terror seems to grip your mind so holy that escape appears to be quite hopeless. And holy is spelt with a W, you know, so completely that escape appears quite hopeless. When you realize once and for all that it is you you fear the mind perceives itself as split, and this had been concealed while you believed that attack could be directed outward and returned from outside to within. It seemed to be an enemy outside you had to fear, and thus a god outside yourself became your mortal enemy, the source of fear. Anyway, mm-hmm. it, it goes on, but it's, again, this idea in this section, and back to the multiple personality metaphor, if we think the problem is out there, it's insolvable. It's insolvable because we're trying to to address it at the level of the effect. It's us we fear. It's 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 our creations. It's our attack. It's the ego. But once we see the fear, 
how could light and love and truth do anything but say, this never happened. I love you. You never left me. Um, you know, you've always been at one with God. You just had this very nasty dream, and now I'm gently waking you up. So this uh. is about knowing who we are and recognizing that, that we are split. You know, um, our sense of self is split. The multiple personality thing is really, it, it's true at the level of the whole world and all of our brothers. It's also true within us. Uh, it, it, it's a very useful concept. But you want to look at the fear. Uh, and and, and I, I, oh, yeah, I loved what you were saying. Start with something that seems small. There's no order of difficulty in miracles. There's no order of difficulty in perceptions. Whatever you heal you are moving back towards truth in the way that works best for you. And don't you be the one who decides what that small thing is. Ask Holy Spirit, okay, I'd like to heal something. Although if something is really scaring you or really upsetting you, yeah, turn, on, turn to that and ask Holy Spirit to share your perception of that with you. So that's what I was trying to remember is the small, you know, start with the small um, but don't decide what small is for yourself. And if something's really, really just tearing you up, don't exempt it from God's love. Go to Holy uh, Spirit. Uh huh. Here's where I want to go. Yesterday on the air, yeah. something you know how like something just came out of my mouth. Um, so I want to reiterate that here because what we're talking about is um, putting down our illusions. And it's very important that we do this at this time for this reason, coming from a metaphysical standpoint um, and using numerology. When we add up the year 2016, it comes to a nine. Nine in numerology means endings. A lot of you may have found that this year something came to an end. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was the realization that however you're living your life isn't working for you. Maybe you found that you have to acknowledge something within yourself that needs to be healed or helped or acknowledged by others or even yourself. Maybe you need to reclaim something. So there's a lot of things within us that can be ending and then reflected in our lives. However, 2017 adds up to 10 which breaks down to one. So it's a one year, which means new beginnings. The important thing that I, I mentioned was that when we cross the threshold of this year into next year, from an energetic standpoint, I, th I feel it's very important that whatever it is that no longer serves us, we put it down, we let it go, we forgive it, we acknowledge it, accept it as for what it was, for the lesson it helped us learn about ourselves. But we need to let these things go and step over the threshold as unencumbered as possible because with all of these things that we're struggling to maintain, these opposing thoughts in our minds, these opposing beliefs, the, the, the war in our minds that the world is against us, then if we take that into a time of new beginning, it can be difficult. It, and and it, we have to be shaken up to say, let that go. So we don't want that bumpy ride. We don't want the turbulence. We do wish for peace, and we want a, a smooth transition into the new paradigm that we're entering into just because it's a new year. Not saying it's going to be earth-shattering, but we are entering a new time. We're coming into a new 
vibration. And we have to change with that vibration. So if you can make a concerted effort to really look at what what you want to let go of and what's holding you back and what your fears are and what you're hiding from the Holy Spirit, and then join with him and ask to share his perception. Um, Dr. Bob said start small, so I made this note. Start here. Look at the contradictions in your life. There, we all have contradictions in our personality. We all have contradictions in our thoughts, our beliefs, our moods, and our words. Just look at that and see where those, those contradictions, that's what these opposing thoughts are. They're merely contradictions. So look at where you contradict yourself in mood or thought or belief and try to bring those together so that they fuse and the truth remains, but the illusion dissolves. Does that make sense, Bob? I think that's beautiful, and I thank you for that. I think, Very important. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in a sense, you know, just at any point, if we're ending something, we are opening a door on a new beginning. I mean, it does sound like this this transition is is a big one, but that plays out everywhere. You know, you you if you're stuck in a lousy relationship, you're not going to get a new relationship until you close the door on the old one, uh, for example. Mm-hmm. But I, I I think that's just beautiful, and yeah, that you know this section is all about let's close the door on duality. And let's open it to oneness. Let's close the door on fear and open it to love. Um, you know, let's close the door on darkness uh, and let the light shine in to reveal that actually there never was any darkness. And there never even was a door, uh, that it was all oneness all the time. Mm. But uh, that was just beautiful. What you So thank you. Thank you for fulfilling your function (laughs) and doing this show. (laughs) Oh, oh, I just, what a year it's been. It's, it really has been miraculous. I've, I've gone through so many changes. I don't feel like I'm the same person I was earlier this year. And I've never, um, I never thought I could feel this way. And then now that I see the way I feel, which is very difficult to describe, um, it's just fascinating that I just, I just feel so comfortable in my own skin and it's really great. Mm. But there is a prayer I selected for us for today. And ladies and gentlemen, yeah. this is out of choose once again, selections from a course in miracles published by the foundation for inner peace. Um, so the next time we speak, Bob, it will be a new year and we will be starting a new right. with where we yes, go indeed. with what we're teaching. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. And, um, of course, everyone, we, we do welcome your your thoughts and your comments and your um, encouragement. Let us know what you'd like to explore in the course. If you have any questions, just send them to us, and yeah. we will work it in somehow. You know, we'd be honored to do that, wouldn't we? If there's a section you want us to read and go through, yeah, let, let Char know or let me know, um, and, you know, and, and we'll be happy to do it. Um, one other thing, the book, choose once again uh, that Shar has been reading our prayers from those were selections by Bill Thetford um, the course's uh, co-scribe those were some of his favorite places in the course so I just want to you know as we're reading those we're, we're, we're entering the mind of you know one of the uh, people who brought this in and who I feel very clear about really worked it practiced it and got to the place where you know he went back to the one mm. 
So they're they're, they're 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 good readings, and I'm just so delighted that that you've been using those, Char, um, you know, to close off our, our our shows here. Yes, I find it very sweet, and I didn't know he had selected them, and that yep. that adds a layer to it for me. It makes it very warm. Okay, well, the the prayer I selected for today is on page seventy-seven, and it goes as such. No one can lose, and everyone must gain, whenever any gift of God has been requested and received by anyone. God gives but to unite. To take away is meaningless to him. And when it is as meaningless to you, you can be sure you share one will with him and he with you. And you will know you share one will with all your brothers, whose intent is yours. God's will is perfect happiness for me, and I can suffer but from the belief there is another will apart from his. Amen. Until next time, God bless and be at peace. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you could save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves.